Hello and welcome to Empire Builders, the place for entrepreneurs, business owners and experts who want to build an epic empire. I'm Nick James and thanks for joining me here today. In this episode of Empire Builders, I'm joined by, for the first time actually, I can't believe we haven't done this sooner, I'm joined by head coach for Expert Empires, the amazing Shari Teagman. I am very excited to be doing this with you. So quick intro on Shari. First of all, she's a lot louder than her height would suggest. The second thing um, is that she has an addiction to crisps or... <laughs> My claim to fame. Or potato chips for our US listeners. Um, when she comes to the UK, I'm pretty sure the entire country needs to restock after she leaves. Um and most importantly, of course, um, she's a world-class coach. And uh, Shari and I have known each other for a number of years, worked together, um, growing her business. And uh, more recently, you know, um, as part of developing the vision for Expert Empires and our masterminds in particular, um, you know, she was the first name on my list of people that I wanted to have joined the team and create an even more ex amazing experience for our clients because she's got a wealth of experience when it comes to coaching, mindset, marketing, and everything else. So um, was that a good intro, Shari? I, think was, I feel like we should do this every Monday. I like this game. Thank I think it was good. Um, you can say nice things about me now. No, I'm I always will. Um, this, this, this podcast is all about you. So um, what I want to dive right in. You coach... A lot of people. I do. You have coached a lot of people. Um, you've coached high-level executives. You know, I know right now you're coaching, you know, some extremely well-known speakers, some of whom are clients of ours, um, some partner with us on our events, and uh and I know personally. Um, you've also coached, I guess, startups and people that are just kind of um, beginning their their business journey. So um, over many, many years now, uh, when did you start coaching? I started coaching about eight and a half years ago. Okay, cool. So my guess is that coaching people eight and a half years ago and coaching people now in 2022, there are some differences. Yes. What's the biggest difference? I think I, as the industry has grown, both personal development as well as the entrepreneur space, I think that the idea of mindset work and optimal performance has become less woolly and fluffy. Um, it used to be something people did on the side as a hobby or quietly, and they wouldn't talk about it in a business meeting. I think I, I think you would agree with this because you grew up in the personal development space. And although there was there's an underlying uh, handholding of the two, one wasn't discussed in one room and one wasn't discussed in another room. I think the biggest shift I've seen is that they are discussed in all rooms at a very high level, masculine, feminine, male, female. There is no separating them. There never was, which is exactly how I coach. It's both the personal and the business go hand in hand. But I think people are finally not only realizing, OK, I admit that that's the case, but really growing in both areas because they're willing to be open and do the actual work that it takes. Yeah, I don't think you can really, um, if you're a business owner, an entrepreneur, um, you can't just focus on mindset um, and personal development and growth. 
nor can you just focus on business and strategy and how you're going to do marketing and sales. Yeah, you have to do both. Um, and I do think you're right. I think there's there's now certainly a greater openness than maybe there was um, five, 10 years ago from business owners, from entrepreneurs to, to do the mindset work. Um, and still, I would argue that in most cases, what people want mm. is teach me how to do the business thing better. Yeah. What they need in most cases is to work on, do the internal work, sometimes the deeper work. Um, that's what they need. Mm -hmm. So what, what would you say to someone who's in that position where they, they, they go, look, spare me the fluffy stuff. Just give me the how to grow the business. What would you say to someone who's got that approach or that belief that that's really what they need? I actually say it daily, some days, hundreds of times. And it's really interesting because as you said, absolutely, especially when people are comparing themselves to other people and results that they want. And I just want to get there. They will just human brains do this. They will only see the part that they deem important or comfortable with, and they'll disregard. I mean, you and I've had this conversation all the time. Like I'm trademarking woo and do because it is about your state and it's also about taking action. But woo and do. Woo, woo and do. do. Good one, right? I love that. I love <laughs> By the way, I don't think you've told me that. That's a good one. Yeah. We should wait until you've actually trademarked it before we put the podcast out. Otherwise, there's going to be <laughs> thousands of people jumping on it because it's a great it is in process right. it's in process and the reason i love it is because it's a quick reminder of we see it all the time in mastermind you've seen it with your high level clients i've seen them with my private clients as well for years um they do it with you especially because people will see you as the strategy growth guy and then they'll ask you a question and even when someone flat out says well i work on myself and my own development and my values they'll skim over it and go cool, but also what was a strategy that worked? You know, and, the, and so I think it's a few things. The first thing that I say, generally people come to me, even at a startup phase, which is I don't love beginners for this reason. We all, self-included, need those dings and bruises to get a little humble and a little knocked down to realize that it maybe won't go exactly how we want to go in our visionary, creative, entrepreneurial brains. When we find out it doesn't work how we decided it was going to work, we have a slice of humble pie, and now we're willing to ask different questions. So my question to someone when they come to me with that, which is a lot, I'd say a larger percentage of my clients have always been male. Um, I think it's the New York attitude that they're a little scared of. And then also like a client described me as she's both your loving nan, and then she'll go New York mafia on your ass. So I guess the combo works for some people um, is they will flat out say exactly what you said cool, Shari, that's woolly, but I've heard you're really good with creative strategy. So can we just focus on that? Even, you know, respectfully, not shutting me down, being like, I'm not interested. I just want this from the pick and mix. I will, in only way that I can, say, um, great. How have your results been until now only focusing on strategy? And they'll give me numbers and metrics and all that. And I'll say, cool. So tell me where you'd like to go. And they'll give me this beautiful, big vision 3D version of the life that they want. All this beautiful stuff comes tumbling out. Not only numbers, but I want impact and I want to make a difference and I want this. I said, great. Does the person who made those initial metric moves um, to the numbers you've gotten to with the struggles and the team issues and the financial understanding and all the things it takes to learn, 
is that person capable of living and growing into that bigger vision of dream life and business? And suddenly it's silent or a lot of like, eh, okay, so there's your answer. Question is, can we skip it? Sure. If you want the same results again and again, and I'll tell you those results will only last for a little while. They will start diminishing it because the doorbell only works a couple of times. Proven fact. So if you indeed want to get to where you want to go, you need to become someone different to create those results. It's none of us are missing more ideas, Nick. It's not because we haven't thought big enough. I can only create a new result by being a different version of myself. And that requires finding out what's in my way. Sometimes it's deep work. Sometimes it's um, learning how to take action differently, breaking down your habits and patterns, understanding why you believe what you believe. We don't stay in the deep work. We use the deep work to then plug and play into what the next version of ourselves is. So I'm not tearing open shit just because I have nothing else to do that day, but you've been avoiding an elephant in the room that is stopping your growth. So instead of decorating the elephant, let's look at it, talk to it, move it, and give you a free path. Suddenly people find it, oh, that is a little bit less wooly and woo. If I do that, I can then do this. Okay, I'm ready to do it. And those are always the people who actually do it best because they realize the why behind why it's worth it for them. And then they can't wait and they've never done it before. So it becomes fun. Yeah, I think big mistake I see, you know, from from clients and people uh, within our industry is that they feel like doing the mindset work, if you want to call it that, is kind of like a box that needs to be ticked and then that's it. Yeah. Um, and it's never done. No. And you know that. And of course, you know, I've been studying personal development and been on my own journey for many, many years since I was 12 years of age. And um, I think you never, it's the humility to realize and accept that you're never the finished article. And I really believe that running a business is actually the greatest personal development experience you ever have. Totally because agree. I you, say it all the time. Yeah. We get tested in areas we never looked at before. And as the business grows, the challenges, the problems only get greater and they only demand more of you as an individual, as a person, as a leader. And so I know, you know, you, you've, of course, been on your own journey over many, many years. How, how did that start? What was the first experience you had of um, or what was the first exposure you had to this kind of work, to personal development, to, um, you know, to uh, overcoming your own blocks and things like that. How did, how did you get into this? Uh, so my story is a little bit different than other people. I did not grow up in this. I grew up in a modern Orthodox community right outside New York City. Uh, ticked you know, all the Stepford wife kind of things, had the little life. My life matched everyone else, very not my personality. And it was lovely. I don't have a crazy rags to riches story. Um, it just wasn't me. I was living someone else's life. Um, I went through a very, very challenging divorce became a single mom when my kids were starting from five, age five and seven. And I knew what I didn't want. And it took me almost three years to get divorced, a really challenging time in my life that I had a lot of shame about for a long time because I was so naive at the time about finances and reality and what was going to be possible due to the way that I grew up, that I had no idea what was going to happen after. I just knew what I didn't want. So the drama and adrenaline slowed down a bit. It's ongoing as life does. Um, and then I turned around and said, wait, I've only been running from something. I have no idea where I'm going. And I couldn't handle the silence of my own mind at the time. So while raising these two little kids, I remember actually I was on Facebook scrolling as one does. And I 
saw a girl I actually went to high school with who was a couple of years older than me doing what I now know is a virtual summit. I didn't know what, what that was. This was nine, 10 years ago, no, 11 years ago. And I just clicked on it, honestly, just to listen to something. Uh, podcasts weren't really a thing yet. So I was like, oh, good. I don't have to hear my own brain. Let me listen. And all of a sudden I fell down this rabbit hole of like, oh, there are people who think like me. I didn't have the language. I didn't have the understanding, but it was like, I was ready to hear these conversations, even if I wasn't ready to have them. And because I'm me, I don't do things halfway. Uh, within about a year and a half, I decided uh, not, I hired a coach. Actually, my first coach that I spoke to, I did all the things a newbie does. <laughs> I prepared all my notes. I knew all the words. I used the alignment and vulnerability words because I was reading all the books and everything. She did not hire me. That I think was a pivotal moment for me. She said, I'm not the right fit for you. And the level of rejection that I felt showed me how much work I needed to do on myself that I couldn't please someone that I wanted to give money to. She ended up recommending me to someone who was the perfect fit at the time, but it was such like a penny drop for me. I was like, wow, this is how far away I am from myself. So did a, some great work with this coach and loved the industry. I trained for a year as a coach and did a yoga teacher training at the same time. I just said like body, mind, I'm just going in. And I emerged a completely different person than I was before. Wow. Um, and how, what were the, um, what were the early days like for you starting your own coaching business? Well, Nick, they were perfect. I put out a shingle that I had a business and everyone came running to me. Just kidding. <laughs> I had a, I stepped back into the Stepford Life thing. I had a, I did a female only coaching program and it was very, no judgments, just not really my bag. Very sister circle, very spiritual, soft. It was great for what I needed at the time. I emerged with a photo shoot of me in a long flowy dress as like a snowy princess. I have to show you the pictures. You will die. Um, my website said all the right things and had absolutely none of me in it. And I had no idea why no one was coming to me. I was ready. I knew what I was doing. I had the tools. And I looked at myself. I said, oh, God, I did it again. I slipped into line again. And if you know anything about me, I don't do standing, marching in sheep lines. So at that time um, is when I, my whole brand is about being a maverick. Uh, that's when it emerged. I was like, wait, if I'm going to do this, I'm doing this fully me. And I stripped back to everything. And I said what I wanted to say. And I was bolder and I was freer. And I said, you know what? It isn't working following the rules. So I need to find my own way. So at least I know when I put my head down at night that if people like me don't feel comfortable in the industry, imagine the people who I want to help, what they're, what the market looks like to them. They feel like they have to clean before the cleaner, clean all their stuff up. Who could be vulnerable with someone who looks like a perfect little picture? So I stripped it all back. I started speaking like I speak, which is very sweary, hands flapping. I just went full me. And it all of a sudden started clicking in. Um, strangely, my business has always been in the UK. It started with a few clients that I met online and it just kind of emerged like that. And I've learned over the years in the ups and downs of what worked, what didn't work. I ran group. I did one-to-one. -one, I do, you know, in-person, online, all different variations of it. But the thing that I've learned as like the biggest takeaway is every time I'm less me, it doesn't work. The minute I'm more me, whether it's in my marketing, in my messaging, in how I treat my clients, how I follow up with my clients at every step, um, it's just been so transformational to keep continually getting that reminder. And like you said earlier, that mindset work, is not a one and done, although it'd be really nice if it was. It's at every turn, 
how can you become more you? What else can you strip back? And I live and breathe it every day. I have to stay relevant to that. Why do you think it's so bizarre, quite frankly, that you just created a business that operates almost solely in the UK? I have no idea. You're in New York. It's like Actually, I do have an idea. And I've actually never spoken about this publicly. So this feels a little brave to me. Because my divorce was really messy and um, my community was very small, it took me a long time to feel safe in my life after everything that had gone on. And I think subconsciously building something so far away, even though I had never even been in the country, I built something that no one could touch here. And it came from pain as lots of stuff does. And it ended up being the greatest gift for me in the long run. But when I look now, I've only realized this recently, like, how the hell did I pull that off? It was before like we were on zoom but it wasn't to the level of you know how international everything's become now i think it was a safety move on my part that i just put on blinders to local i mean i live 10 minutes outside new york city it's not like there're not a lot of people to coach but i was looking for a different experience for myself and i was looking for safety and i think the combination of the two created the perfect storm for me to put all of my attention on something that now is amazing Hey, real quick, if you've been listening to the Empire Builders podcast for any length of time, you'll know that I do not run ads on this podcast. And what you should also know about me is that I only partner with companies who I absolutely 100% believe in. And so I'm making an exception because of my partnership and my loyalty to Keep. So since 2010, I've been using Keep, which was previously known as Infusionsoft, to automate all the sales and marketing in my business, deliver world-class experience to my clients, run e-commerce reports, manage affiliates, partners, and loads more. I really believe that Keep is the best CRM on the planet for small businesses, for entrepreneurs that are building their empire. Many of my guests on this podcast use it, and pretty much all of my closest friends in the industry also use it. That should speak volumes. So uh, Infusionsoft recently rebranded to keep k-e-a-p and what they've also done is brilliantly made it even more affordable even more usable for businesses that are at different stages of their journey so go and get a free demo all you need to do is go to keep.com that's k-e-a-p keep.com forward slash empire builders and by using that link i've negotiated the best possible deal for empire builders subscribers so go to keep.com forward slash empire builders you get a free demo and when you go through that unique link it means you'll get the best possible deal because you're a subscriber of this podcast so let's get back to the show yeah the, the reason i asked that was because um i didn't know the answer by the way but i i asked because first of all um my guess is there are people listening to this who would love to have an international impact. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I think, first of all, hearing you share that just should demonstrate to everyone that there's no reason why your business needs to operate in your local area or in your country. I mean, it's certainly, it's even easier now than oh, it was yeah. when you started eight, nine years ago to do that. Um, and actually, because I didn't know the answer, but I think what's really great that's come from that is sometimes that operating outside of your local area or your country is quite liberating because 
there's no um it removes a lot of the fear that you might have around being judged by people you know um it means that you can and also you know what you just shared is like the most important thing for you is to be even more you and i think it it, it gives you a certain element of freedom because you're speaking to people in a world in a market where you're not known they don't have any preconceived ideas so yeah i, I love i love what came out of that question yeah um and thank you i didn't know the answer to the question until recently too so this is the perfect time <laughs> no, to well, and thank you for sharing because you know i think i don't think people enough in our world share like the real reason behind certain things you know you could have given me some bullshit answer about you know i'm good at that also it would have worked but i was like nah, i'm not gonna no, give them a bullshit i felt my calling was in the uk because my crisps blah, blah, blah. were calling me i needed to go eat them that yeah. happened later that's an unhealthy thing that came out of that choice yes. but um but yeah i think you know it's, it's actually maybe hopefully for some even if it's just one person listen to this just to open your mind to the possibility or the opportunity of doing work outside of your area especially if you have you know, reservations about putting yourself out there and being judged. It's like, well, hey, you could do it in an area or in a country where you're not known at all. So that you can kind of reduce a lot of the fear of, yes. of judgment. Um, your, your brand is all about being a maverick. What does that mean to you? So I think because I marched in line for so long and didn't feel like I fit in my life, even though it worked for everyone else, I realized that at the time, every conversation I have as it works like that, all the people that were coming to me for help with their life or business felt the same way too. And I believe that everyone has that individuality within them. I find it, um, being a maverick is very different than being rebellious. You know, we know a lot of people who are disruptors and rebels. And while I have a lot of that in me as well, you end up always going against the grain, even if it doesn't work for you. So it's only so long that like that walking against the crowd is going to work because you're just known as adversarial rather than as having any value to something. So this whole maverick thing is about finding what, finding your edge, essentially. What is the difference in you? And sometimes that means being with people. Sometimes it means doing it on your own, but getting so clear on your values, your mission, your vision for what you want in your life and have being unapologetic about finding ways that fit for you. That could be from your business model, from how you are in your relationships, what you are willing to do and not do. And especially in like a very loud marketplace just helps clear a lot of the fog of getting caught with shiny object syndrome, or this is a great model that works for everyone else. I'll try it damn well knowing it would never work for you. So I think it strips back a lot of the sameness and really helps you identify because I don't believe in competition. I think that there's enough for everyone if you can be seen. Like, so it's about clearing away, like how can you be clear on what you do so that you're the only choice for anyone? Someone who wants to work with me has no one to compare me with, not because they don't do the same thing as me, but because of all the other elements of me that would be why they would choose me and or why they wouldn't. I wouldn't say everyone needs to go be loud and Marmite. That's not the case, but sometimes the softness and the the like wise sageness of someone is the reason why someone would but if we don't find that in ourselves and then show it to the world we do all blend together which is a real shame because there are amazing people out there who don't know how to differentiate and therefore are not getting out there and getting growing the business and having the impact yeah as you know i talk about um the power of being extreme and that does not mean um you know be 
somebody you're not. It doesn't mean that you have to be the shout, shout the loudest or um, be the most outrageous or gregarious. What I always say is be the most extreme version of yourself. Yeah. Um, you work out like what is it, you know, if you're a geek, like yeah. be the geekiest geek, and that's maybe your position in the market. That's how you how you position yourself and how you um how you're known as a personal brand, maybe. Um you you've done uh over you know, like you said, eight or nine years um running a coaching business. I, I know you've had times where everything just feels effortless. And like everything you touch turns to gold. Of course, there have been times where it's not been so easy. Um, let's talk about the times it's been effortless first. Love those. What, yeah, let's talk about more, more of that. Um, what, what have you experienced? What have been the key differences in your approach? Maybe it's a mindset thing. Maybe it's a strategy thing. Maybe it's a bit of both. What have been the key differences when you felt in the flow, when things have been happening easily, effortlessly. Um, just tell us a little bit about what you did and have done versus the times where it was a little bit more challenging. So great question. And I was going to answer it strategically, but I realized that I don't actually have a strategy answer to that, which I usually do, because it wasn't about a certain program or a price point or a sweet spot of I did this and pre-launched that, although those things did work. The next time I did them, they didn't necessarily. So it was definitely a my energy and attention thing. If I'm excited about something, it works. If I feel like I'm pushing, improving, it immediately doesn't work, even if it's the most perfect program and the perfect price point. So what I found really interesting was learning to set the strategy and then let my energy and my focus take me to figure out if it was the right one. I'm almost negotiating with myself in the midst of creating it for my audience. And that took me a long time because that was really scary. We're told that what we do is for our audience. So then I turned into a dancing monkey and you and I discussed this years ago. I was amazing at the friend zone, Nick, because content's easy for me. Front end's easy for me. Microphones in front of my face are the favorite place for them. I'm not afraid of showing up. My issue, and I was great at marketing and messaging, the selling bit made me uncomfortable. So I just gave and gave and gave, which is a beautiful thing to have except at a certain point when it becomes overgiving and people don't see you as an expert, they see you as a bestie. So I had hundreds of people in my inbox all the time and it felt so validating to be able to help them and support them. And then I'd watch them go by from everyone else. And it was something that drove me insane that actually I usually change through anger and grit. Sometimes it's like I get so frustrated by the fact that just loving people doesn't always only, is not the only thing that makes it work that I think when I course corrected where my weaknesses were and plugged them into my zones of genius, every time it changed, whether it was a DIY course I was launching or high ticket one-to-one coaching, the strategy mattered only if I showed up in the right space for it and held myself back. I had a sales trainer years ago say to me, we're going to do a model call. Now, I don't like getting help. That makes me uncomfortable. So he made me get on zoom. I had my notebook that he sent me. I had, he told me where to put everything. He's like, you need a glass jar with a straw. And I followed everything to the letter of the law that if anyone knows me, we damn well know I don't ever listen to anything. Nick knows that. Well, I tried, I was like, I'm going to learn how to do this. So we walked through a sales process, not a script, because that wouldn't be me, but a process. And he said, okay, move the glass with the straw in front of your mouth. After you finish saying that and put your straw in your mouth. 
And I looked at him like, are you kidding me? So he said, because you need to shut the hell up after you make an offer, after you present the benefits, put the straw in your mouth, take three minutes and take a drink and let the person choose you. And it landed with me. First of all, I cracked up because he was right. He's like, just shut up. Stop talking. I've never heard you share this before. Isn't it's that great? a great strategy because most of the time, um, you know, we teach this, of course, um, in match training. It's like once you've asked the closing question, shut the yeah, up exactly. is the best next thing to do. Yeah. And it's so unnatural for people who are the givers and the carers and the supporters of the world, because I teach this as we're at the waterfall. We know what's possible for them. They're in the car park. They don't know what they're choosing. They don't know what they need. There are ideal clients, but they aren't ideal yet. So instead of us doing this proving song and dance, it's hand them something and empower them. And that was the biggest shift for me in any level of stuff that I've done is I don't have to prove anything to anyone. I just have to show up and show them the way. And look, I'm not mass market. I'm not going to say five quick hacks. Like I do like to go deep. I am creative. I like to turn things on their head. And I also had to learn I'm not for everyone. And that was hard for me. I want to save the world. So this is a continuing battle for me. I have it in, you know, coaching our clients as well as with my private clients, that line of when we, I start caring more than they do, I already crossed the line and they either weren't the right client for me, they're not at the right level or the agreements at the start were not correct of what's possible. And that was, I think, the biggest learning for me when things were good and when things weren't good. Yeah, I think something you said right at the start of that discussion was when you were excited, when you're excited about something, that's when things seem to flow. And I think so often, I see this a lot where people will, in order to follow advice, they'll compromise on their own values and their own excitement. So it's like, you know, you can follow a strategy to the letter, but if it doesn't excite you, the chances are it's not going to get you the result you're looking for anyway. And, And that's where I think there needs to be a bit of a balance between the two. There needs to be a balance between following the strategy to the letter but also putting your own spin on it, your own um, slant on it, so that you can take that product, that service, that program to market with an energy that makes people want it. Um, What have you noticed, and it might be a a similar theme, in the times where it's not been so good, where things haven't been flowing, what did you, looking back now, what did you notice in yourself what were you doing or not doing then that you think caused that blockage? Yeah, so amazing question, especially after what you just said. Um, I can be very guilty of because I'm so creative and unstructured by nature, and that's my best zone. When I feel like I'm ready for the next level, I have defaulted to the wrong business partners, the wrong mentors who will then say, great, let's take all of that crazy energy you have and let's just pop it into a strategy because that'll be scalable and then we'll be able to use it like channel it in here Sherry, and just follow the rules every single time i've done it i've not only lost my own momentum i lost my footing in my messaging my clients and audience were uninterested and i'm not saying someone should just fly by the seat of their pants although if it works for you great but the minute you lose what your edge is even with the best strategy in the world I lost myself so many times by handing my plan to someone else and saying, I'm going to hold my nose and just do it because I want the results. And I'm frustrated by the fact that my own creativity can cripple me sometimes. So it's what I've had to learn on my own. And a lot of what I teach our clients and my clients 
is that using your genius and then figuring out what support structurally outsourcing that you need around it. You and I talk about this all the time is, you know, we are both big vision. We move very quickly. We're quick starter. We don't do details. Great. But that doesn't run a business. And neither of us are going to now suddenly learn those skills because we need them. It's just not going to happen. So I'm not saying everyone can have a team of 25 like you do. Um, I've broken assistance with my creativity and love. Like I would do their work for them and mess it up. I would apologize a million times for asking for something. Really getting clear on not assigning anyone else responsibility for your success, which is a really uncomfortable thing to admit. I did it over and over and over. I just wanted safety and security. And I just wanted to be me and have everyone else do it. Like I used to say, like, why is there not like a talent agency for creatives? Like someone else do all the bits and just tell me where to show up. But I was taking away responsibility of my own business growth. And every time I did it, I lost myself. So I learned some really hard, expensive lessons that I would never give back for a minute. Look, we all have in various different forms, challenging times personally. Um, I know, and we don't need to go into these, but I know you've had some challenging times personally around family, et cetera, et cetera. Um, how do you, how do you, you know, you're like super mindset woman. Like, how do you handle those challenging times? What's your go-to um, action or approach or process when you, you've got challenging things going on in your life personally how, how do you handle those? Um, well, I'll start off by saying in those moments, I'm much more human than super mindset person. So I laugh at myself and my close friends will say it is, but you know what to do. I said, just because I know what to do does not mean I'm going to do it in this moment. Sometimes it's even harder the more self-aware we are because it's like you have a sportscaster narrating in the big words and philosophies and psychological terms about what you're doing. And at the end of the day, if you feel like crap, you feel like crap. So I've learned to listen to my body. My brain has always been the strongest part of me. And when I leave my body, it's like a floating balloon and I can get caught in overthinking. And the, the benefit of a creative mind is you think of things no one else does. And the detriment is you disasterize like nobody, like you can't even imagine. I am the most, I can create the most horrific scenarios that are never gonna happen. And they feel really real to me. And then I get scared of my own monsters in the closet. Um, and it's a very common thing for deep thinkers. So I stripped down to the basics, which when I'm in my regular on zone would irritate me. Mm -hmm. I'm like a child. I have to make sure that I slept and I ate and I hydrate, that my feet are down on the ground, that I'm slowing down because that frenetic energy can speed up to try to push through and problem solve, take responsibility for things that are not ours. Um, I think the slowing down and intentionality, as well as the replugging into your bigger vision, your bigger why, this is not working for me right now. Where's the tension in me? And what do I want instead? Not because I believe fluffy affirmations work. I actually don't. I have a very stubborn uh, negative voice. She will chew that stuff up in two seconds if I bother with that. So I don't recommend it to people, although if it works for you, that's great. I won't tell someone to do something that I'm not able to do. So it's about getting to neutrality of, yes, I'm acknowledging that this is real. I'm not pretending or spiritually bypassing this or positive vibes only. I don't believe life looks like that. And all the amazing things that have happened in my life have had a lot of hard things as well. I learned from both of them. So I stopped ignoring what I feel. And I, I am a big believer in the glorious and I can be scared and ready. I can be um, sad and happy. Now it can sometimes make us crazy, but 
we're feeling it anyway. The more we try to avoid it or close off one side because we only want to feel good or I want to be a 10 out of 10, sometimes you're a four out of 10 and that's okay. Do that for two days, you'll get out of it faster. So I don't believe in this fast forwarding or brushing over. I think it's detrimental and it then ends up biting your ass when you're not looking anyway, if you try it, it doesn't work. How much do you think um, personal happiness, fulfillment, challenges, um, upset, et cetera, contributes or correlates with business success or failure? Um, If I could go higher than 10 out of 10, I would. Um, I don't believe in balance. I believe in like a scaffold effect. You have like on one side, your business, on the other side, personal. I think both have to be growing incrementally so that they're at least communicating with each other. if one grows and you ignore the other one, it's going to topple over either one. So I can tell you that at hard times two years ago, as you know, my mom had a stroke. And after going to see my parents mid-COVID with a carry-on bag um, for five days, I didn't come home for nine months taking care of my mother. I've never grown or changed more in my business than in that time. Slowing down and sitting in that hospital is the greatest growth experience I've ever had. I don't think I would be in the role that I'm with with you if that had not happened to me. And this is my dream role. Um, I know that when stuff has happened with my children, it has set me to recommit to who I want to be and what I want to believe so much so that even when hard times, and I've, I've had a lot of them, people are like, how do you continue doing your work? I was like, the work is what keeps me alive because there's another part of me that I'm driven for service. So the second I'm in my zone, I then carry over from that archetype of service back into my life when I don't feel like the best version of myself. And suddenly I have energy and answers that I wouldn't have had if I just sat whinging and moaning like a victim on the couch, which is really easy to do. Mm. Yeah, I think, you know, you're not alone in this. I think in my experiences, and there have been many as well, whenever you focus outside of yourself and get into service and thinking of other people, it, it kind of almost in a sense um, dissolves a yeah. lot of the negative stuff that you might be dealing with. Um, I can't help but notice behind you on the shelf. Yes. There's quite a few things, but behind you on the shelf is a sign that says Carpe Diem. Yes, um, there is. What, why is that so important to you? Like what, why is that philosophy that- a um, Great question. That-, that um, what would you call it? Seize the day. What, what would you call it? It's a philosophy, I guess. It's a, yeah. Um, what, how, why is it so important to you? When I look at the big picture and I'm a, only a big picture person, I can overwhelm myself with excitement and fear that I'm never going to get there. When people are big ideas, people and day to day feels uninteresting because I just want to get there already. We can speed over what the gifts are in each day, the good and the bad, as we were just talking about. So to me, it's that daily recommitment, even on the hard days of I'm give, like an Olympic athlete, like I'm giving myself a rest day today because I know I will refuel for the future. But I think that the choices get made in each day, in each conversation, in each relationship. I think for me, it's the intentionality of life um, because I'm not a, always a positive person. I've had to use the fuel of being feisty and ragey sometimes and having a lot of passion that sometimes lands the wrong way. You haven't seen me honk in a car in New York. Actually, I think you've been in a car. Have you been in a car? No, I don't know if you were in my car. No, where there were a bunch of us. I didn't get to drive when, everyone. Next when, time. When we did, yeah, next time for sure. <laughs> when when I had the amazing Sherry Teagman tour of New York, I can't remember if I if I was with you or we met. I think I might have got an Uber somewhere and met you there. But yes. it was 
it was an amazing day. It was. Um, that's certainly like maybe another another um, string to your bow or another division yes. or empire could be Shari's. Shari's My VIP business. days, come and I'll take you to eat in all the places in New York. So I think it's really that. It's also, I think because so many of us struggle with this life business dance, and I know a lot of our clients struggle with this, like, you know, maybe they have partners who are craving more time with them or they feel guilty when they're with their kids, they want to be working on their business. When they're with their business, they miss their families. Um, I think the carpe diem philosophy really helps us be wherever we are and use that in both areas. Like when I have a good day at work, my kids get a better version of their mom at night. And when I have an off weekend where I'm just chilling and I'm not on my phone and I'm not looking at social media, I come back to my business so refueled. So I think noticing that each day gives us what we need for where we're going makes it less binary on a spreadsheet of, well, I didn't do that. So I'm a bad person. Like it's a whole life experience. Love it. Um, what a great note to finish on. Shari Teagman, thanks for joining us. I'm sure we'll do this again. Um, you and I could talk all day, quite frankly, yes, and often do. Um, <laughs> and it goes in all sorts of weird and wonderful directions that we never, never expected. Um, I, we'll definitely do this again on the podcast and, and would love to ask probably some more structured questions around the business side, but this has been amazing. And um, yeah, I hope our audience and our clients have enjoyed your philosophy and your ideas and your insights. Um, of course, you will be speaking at Expert Empires. I cannot wait. I'm in September for the second time. You actually did it's, speak at a previous event. It's it's three years ago today, actually. It's happy no anniversary. Way. Yes. No way. Happy anniversary. So, yeah, three years ago, Shari spoke at Expert Empires. She's back in London speaking on stage at Expert Empires on 15th, 16th of September 2022, alongside Stephen Bartlett, Marie Forleo, and myself. It's going to be an amazing event. Um, and I'm sure in the show notes of the podcast, um, there'll be a link somewhere where you can get all the details. So Shari, thanks for joining me today. Thanks everyone for tuning in and I'll see you next time. Okay, that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening to Empire Builders. Please subscribe, leave us a review on Apple, on Spotify, on other platforms and uh, share the love, tell your friends. Remember till next time, the more you connect, the more you collect. <laughs>